Hot Bad Guy podcast, the place where we discuss the hot villains of any gender from any genre that includes crime, drama, action, adventure, romance, and good old horror. We're your hosts, Markella Dykvist. Eric Blake. Natasha Baptiste. So, uh... So how you been? Well, no, this is our... This technically isn't our Halloween episode. This is our October early drop. Okay, cool. Pre-Halloween. Early have drop. a special Halloween episode planned. Pre-Halloween. But... Um, does anyone have any Halloween plans? My plan is basically to look like a creepy clown and stand on random corners in Capitol Hill. And be like really scary? Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, I had no idea. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just beckoning you towards the mic. <laughs> it's like, I don't uh, that's so really say that scary. again. What are your plans? My plans are to dress up like a creepy clown and to just randomly walk around Capitol Hill. I think thematically, our temperature right now in America has a very like creepy clown vibe right now. That's I'm very thematic it. of you. Um, my mom bought me a Bernie Sanders mask, but I've I've never been the Halloween costume type to just wear a mask over my head. Yeah. So I don't know if I'm going to be Bernie Sanders for Halloween, <laughs> but I would love to get some shoulder padded, like, like a suit and yeah. try and, and get like a, like a bluebird on my shoulder or something. But I'm not totally into the idea yet. It's very political. <laughs> well, it wasn't my idea. My mom just called and said she bought me one. <laughs> so my uh, twin brother has a really good Batman suit. I mean, I just saw him post an older picture of it. And I was like, oh yeah, he has that full-on Batman suit. And I've actually been working on a Joker costume for a bit. So I'm going to try and finish that up for Halloween. And it's uh, Patrick Bateman, 80s Wall Street style Joker, which I, I got to try out the hair for this last weekend. Not the color, but just the styling of it. And, you know, it reduces the volume of my hair where, like, my face is just very, like, in your face. And uh, so I just tried some terrifying expressions and I was like, this is, <laughs> I think this is going to work out pretty well. Nice. I can't wait to try the makeup and stuff. You can definitely put their faces together to make something oh yeah interesting and it's just kind of doing the like happy patrick bateman yeah. like we'll look real we'll, that will look creepy but then there's also like creepy smile stuff that i'm working on to get like the teeth right and everything yeah it's fun so what in general have you been doing lately i've been going to way more concerts than i ever really go to that's cool which has been fun and then the photo shoot today but other than that just like working a lot oh okay mine's pretty much I mean, I went to PAX a few weekends ago, and my my twin and I wore our Stormtrooper outfits and just wandered around because there was no five. That's a cool idea. There was no five hundred first presence, and we were just like, "Yeah, let's go see what happens." And we caused a lot of traffic jams because, you know, we'd stop for a picture with somebody, and a line would form, and then security would have to come be like, "Okay, it's been like twenty pictures. You gotta move out of this tunnel. Like, there's an area for this to take place." But because again, your outfits are like legit stormtrooper. Yeah, like you look like you're from the film. We're both approved five hundred first, where you have to be screen accurate. Um, this weekend though, that troop actually gave me a lot of feedback because it was my first time like really walking around for a long time. So I had the fans in my helmet that kept me really comfy, but I did get like. Like some nasty, kind of like scratch cut on the back of my leg because one of my your armor? yeah, one of my thigh pieces wasn't right. And then when I looked at pictures, I realized both of my thighs. I just looked like extremely swole, and I need to. So I just finished today the gluing of those, where you have to cut the armor, glue it back together, and like reshape it to yourself. I'm a lot more happier with it. Every time we have a podcast, I'm pretty much like one step closer to really liking my armor. I wonder if real stormtroopers have problems with their armor. I mean, probably. <laughs> uh, Trooping ain't easy. 
So I went on my honeymoon, um, and it was kind of for details. Our, <laughs> it was for technically for our one year anniversary of marriage, uh, which is actually for October. But so we went on our honeymoon in um, September. So what we did first was we, it was a hot, sunny morning. We got caffeinated drinks in the sun at Edmonds. We spent the ferry ride on the deck and drove through the peninsula around the water. We drove past Lake Crescent, which has very blue, clear water because they have like underwater caves that link out to the, the ocean. So the water gets like re... Okay, so... um. Our cabin was on the beach side. We had like a log cabin that has those like, it's like that inverted V shape. It's like a V line cabin okay. that are really yeah. popular. Got one of those. There was cozy blankets and there was hot chocolate and tea and coffee. I did the whole like sit on the beachfront with like a cozy blanket at night. There was like a mood music on the TV. Uh, there was a fireplace, very stereotypical, like perfect cabin shit going <laughs> going around. We went to Cape Flattery, which is the tip of Washington State, which also happens to be the tip of America, like the northwestern tip of our country. And down at the Cape, there was like a lot of caves and rock formations and it was very breathtaking and colossal and and then the next day we went to shy shy beach are you guys familiar i'm not yeah i guess it's supposedly like one of the most beautiful beaches in america at least and after being there i can see why people would say that um we timed ourselves walking back from the beach like without without any like taking cutesy pictures or like stopping to like goof off on the trail it took us an hour and 23 minutes to go from the beach to our car just walking home and so if you're stopping and being like silly and enjoying the walk on the trail it's closer to two hours maybe (laughs) even Right before the beach, there's a sheer drop off down a cliff. So there's like ropes for you to like hang onto the rope. Like after it rains, it'll be like slippery and shit. So you, it's like safety precaution. So there was maybe eight people on the beach. There was like sea anemones and all this underwater plant life everywhere in these rock formations. Parts of the beach looked like Mars. Other parts of the beach looked like, I don't know, like a different country, like uh, somewhere really exotic and tropical, but it's like here in our state. Yeah. Uh, And the best part was there was people camping up like on the tree line. So you need like a permit to do that, but like you basically buy a permit and then you can fucking like live in this like paradise for a couple days. It's pretty cool. The Pacific Northwest continues to impress. Yeah. Uh, And then... I have something else uh, that I want to talk about that um, Alan wasn't sure if I should bring it up on the podcast, and then he decided not to, but I'm going to put it on anyway (laughs) to see if he changes his mind. But Alan and I smoked... We didn't smoke. (gasps) We had pot yesterday for the first time. (laughs) How many pots did you have? Um, So Alan is 34, I'm 30, and we've never... Indulged. Yeah, we've never experienced marijuana before which you guys have right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
So we didn't know. How dare you assume that? No, we, we have. We have. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just checking. So we went to this really fancy pot shop that's like across the street from us. And it looked like a spa. Everything was really like fancy looking. It looked like, it looked like a bakery cafe. Uh-huh. Like yeah. very stylish really friendly, like, nerdy people behind the counter. And we each got this little, like, silver dollar-sized cookie with 10 milligrams of pot each, I guess. And we didn't know what that meant. So I have a tiny frame. I'm vegan. I'm also on a diet. Alan is also kind of a tiny Alan, guy. Alan's taller, but he's very thin. He's sleek. Yeah. yeah, and so we we had our cookie. We sat down. I think... For me, it kicked in maybe like 40 minutes later. Uh-huh. That's and, average for edibles. Yeah, and I was hallucinating extremely, like, kind of bad. Like, it was really embarrassing because it felt like I was dreaming while I was, like, hanging around and, like, talking with him and stuff. Uh-huh. So, beat by beat, I'd be like, did I make this up or did this happen? And he'd, like, laugh and not really... Like, he was, like, <laughs> fooling with me. And I was really upset because I knew how I sounded, like, really dumb. But I kept trying to explain to him. I was like, so this is what I saw. Is this what really happened? Were we just talking about this? Because as I'm talking to him, I'm also talking to him in my head about something else. And like, we're doing completely different things while I'm doing one thing. So I'm yeah. like always dreaming while I'm just like hanging out with my husband in the living room. And I started drawing pictures of what I was seeing because I wanted to, because no, like nothing was happening to him, right? Yeah. And someone online had described the 10 milligram rule as like, it's a shot of espresso. Some people have half of a shot. Some people have triple espressos. So halfway through, I told him to have another one. And he he basically had stomach flu symptoms all night. So he slept through it. Oh, wow. He threw up like three times and he... Because he was actually sick or just on effect of the cookie? He was so sick. He was so nauseous. And mm. he just stayed in bed and slept through the whole thing. And he didn't experience any of the fun things that I did. But um, my favorite part was we were making sandwiches and I'm putting things away in the kitchen and I'm talking to him. And the whole time, like after we were leaving, I realized that while we were in the kitchen, there was a, you know, the Pringles face with the yep. Italian looking mustache or the French mustache, I guess. He was with me and he, it's also on like when you go to Big Lots on, um, kitchen pads there's like this like french chef with like the chef's hat and he's like a little mascot like a little logo dude Mm -hmm. he was with me cheering me on and being like we're making food ha ha i was like dancing and i was like making my sandwich and putting stuff away in the fridge (laughs) and he was like you did it and he had this big mustache and then when i walked into the living room i kind of sat down and i was like alan hand me some paper and a pen everything. <laughs> That's one of the great things about Seattle is, you know, there is artisan weed manufacturing going on. And edibles is all about learning that dose where like yeah. you probably could have taken half that cookie. Oh, yeah. And instead of the hallucination full on because weed is categorized as a mild mushroom trip. So if you get really fucking stoned, you will hallucinate a little bit. And that has only happened to me in like when I was really the third or fourth time that I smoked, like whenever I looked into an area with no light, Oh, just like crazy open-eyed hallucinations as far as like close-eyed hallucinations is one thing. all kinds of shit. 
Like I thought it, I would realize my eyes were closed and then when I'd open my eyes, I was like, was I asleep just now? Because I couldn't tell if I was dreaming or not. So to yeah. me, it was a lot like every moment I came to, I felt like I was waking up from having a vivid dream. But I was awake the whole time and I was like literally like doing like hanging out. See, part's an interesting thing to not cut out of this because, you know, for me, like I did not like horror for a long time because I was just very like anxious kid and uh my early experiences with star wars and ghostbusters made me really dislike jump out scares and yeah. i still think jump out scares are like a very cheap thrill but once i started to smoke weed and then i was watching horror in college like that's what bred my love of hellraiser which we've already done because i was high and i was like well i can get past this like sinister intent and just really enjoy these amazing visuals of a body being recreated and the nice thing about Seattle is just that there are a bunch of weed nerds here who are making this stuff, and they'll give you any advice about cutting dosage or, like, yeah. how to get the effect you want. Because some people just want, like, a release. Some people want to try and trip balls. So is yeah. it surprising to you that Alan had two cookies and he was just so sick that it was, like, basically food poisoning style? Um, Because the thing is... is I've had edibles that we made ourselves that we've made too strong, and it kind of... It makes you nauseous without alcohol, like, it gives you the spins on its own. Yeah. But for me, it was because, like, I I had not ingested a lot of edibles before. So I was only used... And, like, by the time I tried edibles, I was, like, maybe two years into smoking weed even. Yeah. So I wasn't, like, even patently broke down on THC consumption. Like, it was still pretty new to my body. Right. So to have it in those high dosages, I uh, I never, like, threw up unless alcohol was involved. As I far think as he was went. trying to throw up because he did feel a little bit nauseous, but it was more like he was under the impression that he could get it out of his system if he did that. Now, some people yeah. think that works with mushrooms, but once certain chemicals hit your blood, they're just in there. Yeah, so, like, that's how I... F that's I always resist throwing up on m mushrooms because you do get this nausea from the fact that you consumed poison with weed it's more like it's not really a poison it's just like your body isn't used to it so the reason why i wanted to bring it up on the podcast was number one i've never had hallucinations before so it was kind of exciting to me we did end up watching all three lethal weapon films wow. last night nice. and i gotta tell you and i'd never seen them before so while i was fully high uh, we started the first Lethal Weapon film, and it was, at the time, the best film I'd ever <laughs> seen in my life. Yep. That's the, kind of how it works. And what was interesting <laughs> was the worst part of the film at that point was the actors and the characters, like, kind of talking and getting in the way of the scenery and the production design and just everything. Like, the way the film looked was just so 80s, and I felt like I was there, and it was just so... And I was just like, the colors are so good. This movie is so good. And and I feel like uh, it wouldn't have been that great if I was watching it like normal. But the other reason why I wanted to bring this up was I feel like at the age of 30 and 34, we're probably, like, the last people on Earth to have tried this drug before. But if anyone, like, hasn't tried marijuana, I guess, yet, because no one's ever told us, obviously. Alan's been on this earth for 34 years, and no one told him, like, maybe you can get really sick from it. Who knows? Especially edible. Yeah, so we didn't strong. know that. Yeah. My experience with drugs has always been 
So I've usually dated guys that are always high. They just always are and they act completely normal. Maybe they're a little bit like quiet and lazy, but that's what I thought would happen if we did that. Um, I thought we would just be like how I've seen every single person that's ever been high around me. But our experiences from yesterday was nothing like I've ever seen anyone around me be like before. So I guess my body can't handle 10 milligrams and Alan, I guess couldn't handle 20 so well even when I eat edibles I don't eat the whole thing I don't smoke that much either but yeah. I and it was just so fucking small too yeah it was so it's, it's just a small cookie. like I had like a thumbnail size of brownie my friend made and I was like fucked up for the rest of the night like I took a tiny piece because I was like okay I'll be high okay. for a bit and then I can drive home and I was like well I'm sleeping over because I can't move I, I, <laughs> I doubt that there are some non-pot smokers that are interested that happen to listen to this podcast and are actually learning from my experience but eh. I mean, that happens. Most, I mean, <laughs> my first experience smoking pot was not awesome. I felt super sick. Yeah, Alan was sick. I feel yeah. really bad. And then I didn't smoke again until college because I was like, who likes Well, and then this? at like 2.30 in the morning, we both still had like headaches and our, our tummies were really tender and I, we ate our cookies at like two and it lasted till like 2.30 in the morning until we went to bed. So it was, it bit, it was terrible. It was a super long time. <laughs> We've never had edibles. Yeah. last long time. It's ridiculous. <sighs> Okay. All that THC just gets mm-hmm. absorbed in the fat cells, and then as soon as you burn some of that fat, yeah, you get another, you get another peak. So anyway, my husband and I have been doing a lot of bonding and learning together lately. What you're saying is, ten out of ten <laughs> would try again. We do have one more cookie, and we're gonna, it's gonna be in the cupboard for a long time. It's just really fun when you're chilling. Um, no, I mean, not... What, it sounds like that's what they were trying to do. <laughs> sounds like, you know, that sounds like... Cool. And that's you. the thing. Yeah. Alan, literally, the whole idea, because it was Alan's idea, and he said, you know, I think I need to relax a little bit. I, it's, I've it's i been so stressed lately with everything. I think I, I, I want to just relax, and I heard that pot can be relaxing. And If I had heard he that you two were doing this, I would have said, do it on your honeymoon. Like, when you're going to have an hour-long no, walk to no, the beach. No, that would have uh, been... But having, <laughs> but the thing is, having the fresh air, and also, you know, as far I'm as stimulus goes, it. like I've always loved getting high either at the beach or I, I lived in a mountain town, so there are rivers everywhere. I can see how the clean air would have been a great idea. But when you also have the sounds going on of like the crashing water, and in the river it's extremely loud because it's like coming over rocks. It actually like creates this audio effect where it's almost like a white noise generator. Like you just hear other things in it, lethal, and it's very relaxing. Lethal weapon sufficed for my audio needs, I think, yesterday. Mel Gibson's mullet really <laughs> held your hand. It sounded so good. No, we turned yeah. into the Portlandia sketch of the couple that tried pot for the first time. <laughs> well, you did. I mean, did anyone tell you? Which... No one told me anything. Oh, okay. I am literally basing everything before yesterday happened off of, I mean, my experience with people that smoke pot would be like, if all three of us were smoking pot right now, that's how I thought it would be. Because that's yeah. how people, they're just normal. It depends on what you... And what we did yesterday was not normal. Yeah. It depends on what you take. If he's, like, looking for a pot to relax, I don't know if edibles would be, like, my first go. <laughs> I'd probably, like, yeah, vaporize or yeah. the lozenges. Lozenges it's, it's are generally know. five milligrams. The candies are nice because it's, like, pretty cheap for a bag, and they're, like, five milligrams each. It's Well, funny. and I also thought that when people got, like, had too much pot and, like, had a bad trip and stuff, I thought that they were being irresponsible and taking, like, gobs of it and, like, No, just they really just really... didn't know. 
Yeah. Yeah, see, no, I I didn't know that either. I thought it was, like, a stereotypical, like, oh, that idiot took too much. Well, there's that classic recording of that Like, they deserve it type thing. Who ate a pop brownie. So a cop eats pop brownie and, like, calls 911 because he thinks he's dying. Right, yeah. I've had a friend who ate a brownie. That's what we were doing. My friend felt the same way. She ate an entire... I was like, you ate the entire brownie? She's like, yes. Like, what is wrong with you? And then she's like, I ate half of it. Didn't feel anything. Ate more. I was like, no. I read after the fact that it can take like two hours for it to take an effect. And I think Alan probably was at the two hour mark when it finally kicked in for him. But by that point, he we had waited had an hour. Had a cookie in him. Because I felt bad that, I think we both felt bad that he wasn't, like nothing was happening to him. But mine happened like right away. And that's actually just your metabolism. He's tall. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it like takes longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's gotta get absorbed into your bloodstream, pumped through your veins, and uh I remember when I was first smoking, someone told me to um it was in my hometown, they were like, Oh, let's smoke a bowl quick, then you should run home because he knew how close my house was. So I ran home and I was like so high when I got home <laughs> because it had just pumped all of it through oh, my veins. Anything that got trapped in my fat cells yeah. got burned off into the bloodstream and I was just like sat there playing SNES games like, Oh, I am so uh, half an hour into the podcast recording. Okay. It had to be discussed. <laughs> no, I, I, that's why I brought it up. I was like, I should, I should share this. And I'm not going to lie. I'm not trying to take anything away from our honeymoon because it was absolutely beautiful. And it did feel like we were in a, like a whole other world when we went to that beach and the cabin was super romantic. So a plus honeymoon. Um, also we smoked pot yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as like as far as closing comments on that subject goes, definitely ask your friends who you know use before you try anything. Just see like what should I expect. Like, but that's the thing. I I dated people for like three years apiece. That's but did you ever ask day. them? They seemed fine. Well, yeah, because they've probably been smoking for years. But, like, if you ask anybody about their first experience, most people don't have, like, the... I never asked. I smoked out an apple behind the tennis courts in high school. I felt super nauseous and didn't know what was going on. Well, we will be very careful next time. And we are awesome, upstanding citizens. And we got it totally... Criminals now. (laughs) Legal within Washington State. Our connection was, like, a day spa type situation. I would say... You said you have one left i would cut that into quarter like just do a corner each and then two hours later see how you're feeling really? because okay. oh yeah give it time to work through i mean if and, he like, just, see how your if whole he just wanted to goes. calm down then he shouldn't even have anything to do with and i would say like a really good experiment to do is listen to some favorite music albums we or... totally did oh guess what halloween I almost have 10 hours worth of Halloween music. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I made a Spotify playlist because I don't have a job. Um, but, but listening yeah, to old music, like, that. you're going to hear things you never heard before, or you're just going to be like, wow. You know, like, albums you enjoyed when you were younger. Yeah. It's really interesting what, for me, and my advice with pot anyways, is like, listening to music is a very clear thing where, like, if there's a song you've listened to every month for your no, whole it, life, it seems like it's it for will everything. sound different. It's... Like, you will actually know how how the high is affecting you because you'll be like wow it sounds different in these ways or i never picked out this influence in the artist before i will say that i had that experience yesterday watching a film so like visually i was seeing so much that i don't think i'll, I'll ever see again just yeah. from a fucking yeah cr- like crime drama from the 80s i watched king of the hill high and i was like <laughs> the writing of this is amazing right you're like, everything like, is so amazing. They were so above their time. <laughs> I, it was ridiculous. Uh, was, you know, my favorite, my like... favorite King of the Hill moment is 
who's the guy that wears the sunglasses? Dale. Uh, Dale. Yeah, Dale. He was in, a, in an uncomfortable situation, and I think somebody tried to grab him, and he goes, he pulls away, and he puts his hand in, in his pocket, <laughs> and he brings it out, and he goes, pocket sand, and he throws sand <laughs> in the guy's face, and he, like, books it out the door. You smoke the ball, <laughs> and you watch the episode where Bobby is kicking dudes in between the legs, like, kicking them in the drunk, and he's yelling, that's my that's purse! That's my purse! Oh my gosh, it is the best thing Oh my god. Ever. Yeah, this, uh, when <laughs> Bobby learns self-defense. That's my purse. I don't know you. Just like sober, it's funny, but then you watch it high and you're like, what is happening? I'm cutting all of this out of the podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, Eric, who are we focusing on today? Today on Super Hot Bad Guy Podcast, we're talking about Arthur Mitchell, played by John Lithgow, Dexter, season four. Before... Should we do like a quick recap of Dexter, like up to this sure. point? Or because guess why? I actually finished season three before this podcast, and it was what? terrible, wasn't it? I liked season. Three. Um, Miguel. Oh, Miguel. you liked the district attorney. You two liked the district attorney. He was cool. All right, he is my favorite actually, Dexter. Okay, character. that wasn't the best season. I didn't really like. Okay, but let's start from the beginning. Mushed his character. So before there was Arthur Mitchell, we had Dexter Morgan himself in season. Season one, yes. which I'm actually wildly curious as to why both of you were so enamored with picking Arthur as opposed to the villain of season one, the villain of season two, the villain of season three, and Dexter himself. Like, why did you guys pick Arthur over those guys? He's my favorite one. For me, it's that Dexter season one, I thought was a very well-contained movie. You I know, you could, you could end the series there. And the villain is sexy, but it's like you're getting to know this main character as well. So there's kind of this, there's a dynamic there where I don't want to talk about Dexter as a villain. I don't want to talk about his adversary in season one as a villain either. Cut to season two, also very well-contained, could have ended the show after season two. For me, season three is really, was really weak because the district attorney character I felt like Lundy no. oh no Lundy was great Lundy's awesome um, the district attorney you guys both said his name oh season yeah. three yes Miguel. oh Miguel Miguel, Miguel Thank you. Prado so Miguel my problem with him is that he like takes Dexter's side and like wants to help him and I felt that that role should have been preserved for another character who they get rid of and I'm not gonna spoil the show by saying who that was but um I didn't want him to be well, I didn't enjoy that character. Me neither. And I, for me, I actually ended up skipping the rest of that season. And then I got to season four, and I was like, this show is great again. I think John Lithgow's character is just delicious. I like his character. I will say that looking back on what I've seen so far, which I have not seen past season four yet, season four is my favorite season. I, I don't know how to explain this. I think that John Lithgow is like super hot. There are definitely reasons that but, this makes the most sense for this podcast. Yeah, yeah, and I see how he's probably the best of the Dexter villains. But while I was watching the seasons, I mean, in season one, you had like the stereotypical like thin, wild-haired, brunette, sexy boyfriend slash villain that's like really caring and nurturing at the end. So that's sexy. In the second season was basically a sex symbol. She's a pyromaniac, obsessed with sex. Dexter is excited to sleep with someone for the first time in his life. She's wearing like a lot of skimpy clothing and stuff. So she's sexy for that reason in season three. I mean, honestly, so the, the actor that plays Miguel, in some aspects, he looks like a younger Maz Mikkelsen who plays Hannibal Lecter from <laughs> NBC's Hannibal. And he, everyone thinks he's hot. So... 
Natasha, you said that you kind of like, like, hefty, big guys. I like, like, tall, big dudes. I feel like Miguel like, and Arthur. dudes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I really wanted to know why you guys chose Arthur. Because you seemed so excited was, about uh, it. For he me. He was my favorite one. I feel like he was more complex than any of the other ones. He had a lot more things. Going we'll get on. into that, too. Because there are some complexities I'm not sure that I understand even reading from what people describe in, on the internet. But, so we got those out of the way. Now, let's describe what Arthur Mitchell, what his appearance is. <laughs> I mean, he looks like a grandpa. He's so tall. Yeah. He's a straight up, like, normal he, uh, guy. He looks like the whitest guy you could ever think of in his 50s. Uh, in my In my <laughs> notes, I remember in my notes... Without even looking at them, I'm pretty sure I wrote, um, love me some pleated pants. He has <laughs> those pleats in his pants. Mm-hmm. It's like khakis to a construction site. Like, it was just ridiculous. Yeah, and he, was... he wears, like, the boxy uh, button-down shirts, but have, like, the boxy sleeves on them. Yeah. It's, like, starchy. He wears, like, the belt with the shirt tucked in. I mean, for me to answer that is also to still answer your first question. The reason, like, I would pick him for this podcast is that your first two villains are kind of, like, very superhero-esque, unapproachable, sort of glamorous, yeah. not people you would meet in real life. Yeah, I agree. But this guy, Arthur Mitchell... You see him everywhere. You... Oh, yeah. This you is someone. This is someone you totally know. Like, if you admire someone as a family man, that could be this guy. If yeah. you admire, like, someone's, like, work ethic or, like... Uh, dedication to community. That's this guy. To me, this season has the most dark humor as far as, like, you're really kind of, if you're rooting for Dexter, you understand that he admires this guy for being able to be a psycho and have a stable family life, which is what Dexter wants to learn. Yeah. So it's very funny that for the first time, you're not seeing Dexter concerned about figuring someone out and hunting them down. Instead, he knows who this guy is, and he's trying to figure out how he can emulate some of those behaviors. And it's very, like, uh... These normal white bread behaviors. Yeah, he wants to learn how he does things, and then you slowly learn. It slowly unravels, where, like... He's actually, like, the most fucked up. And Arthur doesn't behave, like, doesn't behave well when he's not being, like, watched. And in that respect, that is very real, too. Like, uh, you know, abusive spouses and abusive fathers and stuff. You do not see that in public. So, take away the abusive part. For a second. And let me just... We'll get to that. Let me just wonder out loud if... Is Arthur Mitchell the poster boy for people that have super crazy, like, plain dude kinks? Like, old dude grocery store... That old man at church... Yeah, like, like a dad grandpa kink. Because yeah. I, I feel like he's I think the John perf- Lithgow just is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> John Lithgow, yes. John Lithgow, I mean, he has Arthur Mitchell to the darker crowd. He has yeah. like an old man baby face, like a soft baby. Ever since baby he's been on the scene, face. he's had grandpa bodies. So I think if you're into that, then you're and he, into him. You know, in all my research that I did for the season, I did not see anyone really coming out and saying, like a Dexter fan coming out and saying, Arthur Mitchell, he was was kind of sexy right like I didn't come across anyone saying that so I actually had to delve into John Lithgow in general and he has played here I wrote it down he's played villains before and oh yeah I mean I grew up watching Third Rock from the Sun but I also remember him from Santa Claus the movie which that's a kid's movie and he's the villain in that but he's still a villain and then I saw him in Raising Cain and that changed my life forever because that was the first time I found him extremely attractive 
in Raising Cain, he he kind of has a double personality, a lot like Arthur Mitchell from Dexter. He's like the innocent, kind of confused, loving like husband, and then by the end of the film, he basically turns into like dark Arthur Mitchell. Mm-hmm. That's the lovely thing about John Lithgow for this role is that everybody watching Dexter probably only knows saw him from Third Rock. Saw some Third Rock and didn't yeah. understand that he was, you know, a prominent theater actor did amazing performances of Hamlet and he is a very good actor and what I love about him is that he's like I first met him as a comedian in yeah. Third Rock yeah, same right. as people my age yeah. and then as and you... he does children's books he's well uh-huh. he's, that's the biggest role he's been in so people still to this day are like oh I never have seen him like this but here's the villains he's played and I'm sure there's more than this because of the theater work he's done mm-hmm. but he was a villain in Dexter he was the villain in Shrek he was a villain in Cliffhanger in Raising Cane and Ricochet and Santa Claus the movie and my favorite Blowout um he's so sadistic and just like a disgusting piece of like human he's terrible he's terrible in Blowout and I love it I haven't seen that one watch it and he's very young too I think it's from the early 80s 70s so that's what he looks like for the most part that's his personality Arthur is he's very wholesome he's in his 60s He's thick, like Natasha likes. Natasha, are you attracted to Arthur Mitchell? Just right off the bat. No. Just checking. Um, I like older dudes, but not that old. Uh, he's a teacher. He, what does he do at that church? He's a deacon. He's a deacon. Yeah. Okay. It's like high profile, but not too high profile. He can still hide under the radar. He uh, has a company called Four Walls, One Heart, which is a lot grosser once you know what that actually stands for. Yeah. Throughout the season. <laughs> so the other thing about uh, Arthur is he's nude mm-hmm. so much, mm-hmm. like in the first scene he's in. So I don't have the same experience with Dexter as you guys do, because you guys were watching it like, you guys weren't watching it for anything. Yeah. When I started, I went into it being like, okay, super hot bad guy. Who's Arthur Mitchell? And the first thing I see is he's running a bath for a girl that looks kind of like me. So that was cool. He was naked. He had a big baby skin, hairy back. It was very, um, uh, what's it called when you're not tan? Pasty. 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 And I was super into it. So how did you guys take the bathtub scene? <laughs> well, I had seen John Lithgow naked because he gets nude for 30 Rock and I know, Third I'm Rock. I know, I'm going to do that. Oh, I'm going to do that the whole we, time. We've already done it a couple times. I do it every time I mention it. But yeah, it. Third Rock from the Sun, he has good like physical humor where I think it's more than three times that there's naked dick. And it, I just think John Lithgow understands like he has like just american white man body and it's funny (laughs) so i have to break in right here i was just looking up like i think i googled john lithgow sexy and i found some pretty like bottom of the barrel internet trash like websites so i found one it's called the celeb archive and there's a little blurry screen cap of from third rock from the sun of just john lithgow in a speedo talking to a person but the the wordage everywhere it says john lithgow underwear sexy picture access to this john lithgow picture is subject to subscription more than zero premium pictures are just a click away more than zero. <laughs> More <laughs> so than zero. This is the only picture. Um it's twenty nine ninety nine unlimited access for six months to That's see sweet John Lithgow bod. One John Lithgow picture. 
of him in a speedo. Uh, there was also um, another in a comment section. It said, from Istanbul, Turkey, this guy says, John Lithgow nude, sexy pics in movies, click to watch John Lithgow naked, exclamation point. John Lithgow is a hot man. Check the proof. And there was a <laughs> bunch of websites after that. <laughs> Anyway, continue, Eric. <laughs> I mean, in this show, he's not as, like, fit as our main character, but he's more deranged, yeah. so... But he's, like, a big, like, he's one of those men that you would describe as, like, a wall. He's huge. He's an American yeah. dad, for sure. Like, yeah. he's a big, burly... He's well, built. Well, he's, he's yeah. built, but not, like, fit, you know? Yeah. No, he's not fit, no. From building houses. <laughs> but, um... Oh, that's right. You're right. There, there was a theme in that season that he had a lot of strength. Because he has this great, you know, he has this cover, and it's one of the things that Dexter doesn't really know how to do yet, is how to, like provide himself cover as a family man and he's like getting advice from this guy who is brought into the show to really be like a much more convicted psychotic than season three in a way season two but um more because he has a very established ritual yeah so it was more on par with season one. Oh yeah serial killer just had his own it's definitely my favorite season since season one. And I mean, if I went season one, season four, I think I'd be pretty happy. But I do like dark comedy and tragedy. So the end of season four is also one of my favorites. I also wrote down that he has a curvy backside. I think I was really, really reaching. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. I remember, I liked season one so much. Well, number one, it's just a good season. But two, it was... I don't think they base it off of this, but there's actually a real story where a guy got caught and he was a serial killer because he drove around with one of those U-Haul trucks and he had like a refrigeration system in there that he would just plug in outside his house or something like that. And someone found it strange that one, he had a U-Haul for an extended amount of time and two, there's an extension cord coming out from the back of it. So they're like, that's fucking weird. And that's how he got caught. I remember that from, like, because I always watch crime shows, and I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. Yeah, that they actually put that in a TV yeah. series. But anyways, I mean, this guy... <laughs> the first well, with, our, with Arthur that. Mitchell, you have to suspend your disbelief a tiny bit, because it's like, really? Like, that elaborate of a ritual? But you... I enjoy well, it, because he's so convicted to it. Yeah. Well, so, I read somewhere, he's killed around 267 victims, if, like, someone tried to do the math of what they were kind of going for in the show. And I, I get that he did it all over the country but if it really was a ritual of these four like a boy goes missing and then three murders how after 267 victims how did nobody but like lundy because they were so separate none of the victims knew each other and they're all separate entities one looked like but aren't they but aren't they isn't it a four-person pattern in one town within like a three-week period or something wouldn't that be a pattern well all the they didn't even catch on to the boys until way later yeah that's what well dexter's the first one to catch on to that i like that there's a part of this guy's ritual that isn't discovered until you're watching it because it lends like another level of uh just Arthur Mitchell's ritual is super super deep and complex and it's so complex that they don't even realize this one part of it until it's too late or well almost too late and that is another part of that he is a more crazy psycho than our hero Dexter who's usually either kind of on par or more advanced than the people he hunts For him to be a real challenge, it's like, yeah, you're not going to realize this until the last episode. You know, Arthur Mitchell was such a challenge for me that I actually didn't really understand why 
he chose to behave the way he behaved in certain situations. I read somewhere that um, uh, Arthur has multiple personality disorder, but they never say that or allude to it in the show. So when you say that, yeah, that makes sense to me. That's an, a good explanation. But if that's the next, if that's explanation explanation that we're supposed to arrive at, then why wouldn't they have put that in the show at all? I feel like it kind of is though like the more he I didn't gets get that to, from watching the episodes the more you get to see Arthur the more you kind of get into it like it's weird things like Dexter would be trying to pry or like let me hang out with you let me do this thing and then he would just explode and then suddenly he was like okay just come with me or there's a scene where they're eating and uh he was like if I'm gonna take you around with me then you need to open up to me and Dexter was like that i'm not doing any of that yeah. and then he just kind of goes off on him and then suddenly he's like oh well never mind and then he kind of just backs off a little bit and dexter's like that was weird and then there's a part where he goes to his old childhood home and he's like freaking out when yeah. he sees the bat like there's just random things that and if that's you were why just outside the window looking in you'd never see but if you hung out with him more you'd be like what the hell dude i feel like the writers didn't give me a full explanation but i don't think it was meant to be up in the air like up in for interpretation so i i almost feel like the writers messed up in giving us this character so if you think of the way arthur was behaving when he took dexter uh on that that little vacation thing that they did where arthur ended up trying to commit suicide yeah he was doing that little like dance did like a little jig in front of his car and he was so like excited and kind and just really like a nice guy I don't think that was when they hit the deer, but either way, if you think of those moments compared to the Thanksgiving episode, like the way he is with his family, I don't understand why they would have a character be that different, but like honestly different, because I don't think he was pretending to be that nice when he was on that vacation with Dexter, and I don't think he was pretending to be that mean with his family. But then again, if that's the case, then I don't know why in that season they didn't get it, go into more detail about he has multiple personality disorder. They just gave us this really broadly ranged character. So I'm not sure if they wanted him to have multiple personality or, you know, so the clinical definition of a psychopath means you don't actually understand emotion or you don't express emotion. You just don't feel emotion like a emotion feeling person. I like Dexter the show because you're in his inner monologue when he is learning how to emulate somebody else's emotion to pass off the fact that he does not feel emotion. So that's what he's trying to learn from this psychopath. But he experiences way too much emotion. Dexter doesn't have any emotion and his Later on in the learned. series, it actually starts to get... This is where Dexter gets troublesome for me, is that I'm like, mm, a real psychopath can not actually learn that. They can only learn how to emulate. Yeah. And when his inner monologue starts to have feeling, the show starts to in break down four, for me. Because yeah, I'm yeah. like, hmm. In season five, you're kind of like... Okay, dude. Oh, yeah. I only watched a couple. So season four is also the last season I watched because three I skipped, four I enjoyed so much. Then I watched two of five and I was just like. Five, they tried too hard to make it too much. And then he had way too much like. 
you were starting to feel things. Do you have, like, like, empathy and stuff? Yeah, it started to get weird, and you're like, really, dude? I think they did a really great job of him being emotionless in the first three seasons, for the most part. Yeah, the first season, it's really great how exact, like, how, you know, pristinely blank he is on the emotional front. I kind of went downhill once he got a family, and I was like, ugh, God. Since Arthur Mitchell, like, he can't even contain his emotions... There was a part... Who Who is Vera? Because I wrote... I have Vera in my notes. Is that his sister? Okay, I have in my notes... I Because I remember this part, but I don't remember... I think Vera is his sister. Okay, well, anyway. So, after he cries for Vera in the bunker, I understand why he kills those people. He's very selfish, and he doesn't hear or see them. He's dealing with his guilt. So, what I meant by that when I wrote that down was... When he starts breaking down at the end of the season, so the whole time, like, I'm looking at him like, oh, he's a villain, everything he do- he's doing is so violent and scary, how can someone behave that way? But I actually have a lot of empathy, and a lot of stuff that I watch, I end up understanding why people do these weird things. And I wasn't, like, looking for this, but I realized in that moment at the end of the season that when Arthur, when you go back and think of all the kills that we see Arthur do, if you think of all the traumas that he went through with when he killed his sister, when his mom committed suicide because of it, and so on, when he kidnaps those people, and if you think of yourself in this, like, bubble, and in your head, all you can think about is how sad and guilty you feel about killing your sister and your mother and your whole family and your whole life and their whole lives. A person can be like screaming bloody murder and you literally don't care because you, this is your way of fixing your guilt. And like in that moment, you are punishing yourself. You are honoring these people that you love so much. You have so much emotion in you at that point that when he is killing the girl in the bathtub and making the lady like jump from the ledge and doing and like bludgeoning that guy to death, that is all that he's feeling and thinking. He isn't thinking about them at all. They're like not even people. So when I watch the rest of the season, I completely understand exactly why he's doing all those horrific like dumb shit. Like it makes so much sense to me. Like, they kind of connect it all once you figure out who he was and yeah. what happened. Because in the beginning, you're kind of like, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. Like, he tossed this chick off a building and, like... Yeah, it wasn't really a... Beating this dude Because you're like, supposed to try and, like, piece it together. Yeah. So what I interpreted in the first couple of episodes, the especially with the two women, he was kind of hugging them from behind. And to me, I saw that as a sexual thing. But, it, I mean, it wasn't necessarily sexual, but he was being so intimate with them that, like, if you imagined, especially, like, a bigger, like, man coming up behind you and holding you like that and being, like, really slow and, like not being like forceful, but just, you know, being the way he was with those women. It's so intimate that I was trying to figure that, figure out if that was supposed to be sexual or not. And as you come to find out, he's doing that because it's like a familial, like, you're my mom, you're my sister, like, this is my family. He's emulating the closeness you're supposed to feel with family members. Yeah. yeah. Whether or not he actually feels that in the moment when they're is hu- kind of unrelated to the ritual. When he's, he's doing hugging, it to fulfill it. Yeah, when he's hugging those women, he's just like, I miss my sister so much. Yeah. And it had nothing to do with the actual person he was hugging. That's why I liked him. And then when you find out about, like, the boys, you're like, that makes so much flippin' sense. Yeah. Like, it ends up all coming together. And then you kind of get a sense of how he kind of... He, feels because he literally buries them under houses where like happy families are supposed to be and it's like damn dude like (laughs) 
It gets a little <laughs> Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah, at that like point. it gets pretty, and it's like four and walls, they, one heart. And then they he buries die children under there. The pressure, which is a whole nother thing. I was like, dude, like that's fucking crazy. <laughs> like that's how you feel all the time. That's insane. I realized something. <laughs> this is totally random, but when I was watching season one, I didn't get it at first. But later on, I was like, "Isn't John Lithgow in Terms of Endearment?" Because he watches that in season one with oh, his yeah. wife or That's with right. his girlfriend at the time. And I just thought it was funny that then an actor from that movie that they watched is like in a season. In a season. <laughs> well, if you can get John Lithgow, you're gonna get John. John. Yeah. Get like get John Lithgow. I mean, all those villains that I listed earlier, we should totally do some of those movies. Oh yeah. Because he's, I, I think John Lithgow is super cute. And I, again, he's naked in this show a lot. I think he's naked in the first scene. And then the very next time we see him, that's when he's like freaking out in the shower. And he's naked there too. And then um, one of the next times you see him nude is he's getting in a bathtub with his wife and he's at his house. And that bathtub is fucking huge. <laughs> like it fits him. And I made it's a John little John Lithgow sized bathtub. Yeah, I was like... He has a bathtub that fits him. Yeah. So since this is my first time watching Dexter, can I talk about Dexter for a second? Yeah. Let's. He, his Billy Bob Thornton accent threw me off for a while because he, I've never heard anyone speak like that before except for Billy Bob Thornton. So I hadn't seen uh, Michael, the guy who plays Dexter. I hadn't seen him in anything because I had not, I have still not seen Six Feet Under, which he was made famous in. Um, Damn. It was such a good show. I feel like I just had <laughs> his name on the tip of my tongue. Michael C. Hall? Michael C. Hall. Okay, when I see the word, the name Michael C. Hall or hear it, I immediately think of C. Thomas Howell. I think of John C. Riley. <laughs> really? But um, I thought the first season with Dexter, because I had already read about what a psychopath is as far as someone who does not experience emotion. So seeing him play that role, I was like, damn, like his deadpan is really good. When he is completely not understanding someone's emotions, I thought that was really good. So season one, the reason I say it's such a good standalone and it's its own contained piece, like you perfectly understand a psychopathic character who has a very strange ritual and completes all of his goals. Like it's a very well-rounded movie. And uh, so I like Dexter, and I think for me where the character gets weak in the show is relying too much on the dark passenger monologues, basically, where he's talking to his dad as a vision. Oh my Um, god, oh god, wait. (laughs) But his dad's really hot, right? Is that what you're gonna say? No, (laughs) no, I was gonna say, so you guys picked season four. I had never seen Dexter before, so I started Dexter, first episode of season four. I didn't know what I was getting into, and actually later on I vaguely remembered you warning me about this. So I'm watching this show I've never seen before. Um, there's fiesta, like mariachi band type music playing, like a salsa club, like I'm always in a salsa club slash outdoor barbecue by the beach. But it's a show about a serial killer. On top of that, there's constant narration, which I'm sorry, you really have to get used to Dexter telling you everything in his head. Despite So this show almost constantly has people talking to you because it's either dialogue between people or it's his narration. So the narration freaked me out. On top of that, all of a sudden, there's like golden angel sunlight everywhere and there's some guy talking to him out of nowhere that apparently wasn't real and I didn't get that at first. Mm -hmm. Because in the original book... In the book that this is based on, there Golden is kind light of like a... Golden Light Narration Show by Billy Bob Thornton. <laughs> yeah, 
The book does really kind of have this like exterior force dark passenger guy who talks to the main character. Yeah. And did you say a book? Oh yeah, this is so the first season of Dexter is based on a book called Oh my Dar- god. Darkly Dreaming Dexter. Oh, I want to read that. You might enjoy it. Wow. And I think the first season, I haven't read the book, so I can't tell you how close the first season is based on that. But I love the first season because it is very self-contained, like a book that doesn't need a sequel. But they were like, yeah, let's make a sequel. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing about Dexter, um, from where I started in season four, was I was immediately enthralled with Dexter, the character. And it also made me wonder why you guys didn't want to do like straight up Dexter because... I think it's a longer villain. That's yeah. the short answer is like that makes he sense. is a long villain whereas we can He's do the main we can talk about John Lithgow right now. Yeah. I love villains that have a really nice playful side and then like the villain side of them and watching season four of Dexter, I'm seeing him like with his kids and like cleaning up and like helping out his wife and being like the nerdy guy at work and then the first kill he does is in the the boxing rink. Is that yeah. what it's called? The boxing match yeah. place? Um, and he is like super tired and he's like woozy and he has this chunky, disheveled, sweaty hair and he's just like sweaty and he's out of it, but he's trying to be like really menacing and like jumping around everywhere and like freaking out this guy. And it's like really darkly lit. And it was like the hottest thing I've seen on Dexter yet. Just that one scene. And I was just like, this is the best show in the world. I mean, not really. I think this is why we did season four, though. (laughs) Because Arthur Mitchell is more fucked up and therefore hotter than Dexter. Like, they were like, let's write a villain who's much worse. Like, much, much worse. I just mean visually, Dexter was so hot in that moment. Because up until then, he was just like, goofy dad. Mariachi band. No, Michael C. Hall is definitely a stud. Yeah, yeah. he's very good looking. Not in the unconventional way that John Lithgow is. No. Which yeah. is like why I like the show. It's like most of the hotties we're talking about is like, uh, uh, really? It's like we know you're hot. Just prove it to us like John yeah. can. Or like Arthur can. We're on a first name four. basis with each other. <laughs> it was a little depressing in a way because you kind of got to see how like Dexter wouldn't make it as far as Arthur. Like, well, Oh, what wrote. do you mean? Like unless he changed? Yeah, like, Arthur was pretty methodical, and he traveled a lot. So, like, he could commit a ton of murders. They'd all be different. And nobody... I mean, he'd been doing but it his for, like, 20-something years. His family so. let him go off and be by himself that often because they were so excited when he, he left. left. Dexter Well, that's what I mean. That. Like, Dexter went a whole nother way. Like, he was so nice. Well, and he could have kept it up, except he went after people that were so high profile. Like, in the first season, he would go after people that, like, no one really knew about. When he went after the child molester, like, no one really knew about him. Right, um, right. And, like, he just kind of went after him. And then he would start going after people that the police were going after, which is how he was kind of getting, like, caught up and making all these dumb mistakes. And yeah, so but like, in season four, did they out. slip on that? Because does nobody notice that Dexter is murdering people that they sometimes, that his department well, sometimes well, go that, after? There's, well, like, his... they check his trunk. Is like, oh, my God, that guy's in the trunk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He gets pretty close in this season. The one did, it's until he kind of framed him, <sighs> and then it was kind of all closed. Are you talking about Dokes? Yeah. Goddamn that Dokes. That was sad. Dokes, oh my, gosh. my biggest problem with this show is Dokes, I will Me say too. right now. That's my problem with the- Well, because him becoming kind the of a villain- The Attorney General with Miguel is, that should have been Dokes. Dokes yeah. should have been the one to be like, I'm with you on this. 
But instead, what happened to Dokes happened to Dokes. Yeah. Dokes always had a problem with Dexter, but then they turned it serious so fast. Like, I guess they thought they were developing it before, but to me it was like they just decided that he was a lot more of a problem for Dexter than originally planned. I think Dokes should have stayed for every season and, like, should have been the one to be like, I'm going to help you with this. I'm so glad that they killed, that he killed Lila because the way that she had him die was so so fucked up like yeah, i was so bad. distraught because at that point i was like no frame him for murder and let him go to jail for like let him go to prison forever that's so much better i was than so pissed when they killed actually happened. Yeah. like spoilers all around like yeah well i guess if we're doing season four I'm, i mean i'm glad that i got that i got but that's pretty much why up, i so. skipped season three is because they introduced this new character after dokes is dead and i'm like that's what I wanted Dokes to do yeah. is yeah. like learn about it, get in on it, and then like be like a voice of reason. Yeah. Because in later seasons, I think it would have been really cool if Dokes was like. Here's what happens to Miguel in season three. Ugh. So they even make a big point out of if Dexter's like if I if I kill Miguel now, people are gonna he's the best man at my wedding. People are gonna start asking questions, and then he kills Miguel the day before his wedding. Miguel dies. Everybody knows that he gets married and even Miguel's wife is just like acting like not, she's not broken up. She's just excited that Rita's getting married. Yeah. Like that's his wife who yeah. she just found out was cheating on her. And everyone is just like, who's Miguel? That's why that season sucks. Yeah, I don't know. It's just that Dexter, sometimes in the show, whether it's the writer's fault or what, but it's just weird that Dexter can murder people that his... Uh, department was kind of like looking at like people of interest within his own department he'll kill them and then it's like the series never goes into doesn't anyone think it's weird that that person's dead now like especially miguel because especially miguel because they literally pointed it out and then two episodes later he dies and literally no one cares yeah. <laughs> well, not only that, but, like, a lot of the time they think the person just goes missing, and then it just suddenly came this thing where okay, like, well... they didn't go missing. Oh, They're crazy in now. Florida. And they didn't really dive into it, like, the second season when they started finding, it was, like, the second or third season, they started finding all the body parts in the ocean, and then they kind of touched on the fact that, like, oh, these people weren't people that anybody wanted to come back. I remember they talked to the son, and he was like, Oh, well, yeah. I hope he's fucking dead. Yeah. You never want to see him again. Da, da, da. And then they started looking into the theory of like, what if these were all people that no one wanted? Like, they all hurt people, basically. But then it was just kind of done. Well, because they pin it on Dokes, the Bay murders. Season four and three would have been really different if Dokes was still alive. Yeah. Like, if someone was helping him understand Arthur Mitchell's psycho, you know, motivations, it would have been a little different than having just. You know, his hallucinated father, Dark Passenger, helping him through stuff. That's kind of why I'm disappointed that they killed Dokes, because I think that would have been a really good character to have for anyone who doesn't understand what a psycho is. Still, at this point in the season, like, like by season four, you should understand Dexter doesn't understand human emotion. He emulates it where he can. But otherwise, he's completely, all of his actions are based on, you know, his ritual. Yeah. Yeah, it's a shame about Dokes. I don't think Dokes was meant to be a villain, though. He I, he definitely had some issues with being kind of like a vigilante thing, but it's he wasn't like Dexter going out specifically to find these people and kill them on purpose. I think it was more of, I'm in this situation, I know what this person did, I'm a cop, 
what they did is so bad. I guess I, I feel I... like I'm justified in doing this. It's okay that I do this. I wanted Dokes to be the straight-laced, by-the-books, kind of keeps Dexter in check kind of guy. And when they sort of... They didn't do that with Miguel, because Miguel was like, well, I'm into this. Let's kill people. Let's kill them up. And it, and it was just like, eh. <laughs> and it felt I want more I resistance. Was, I, I want resistance to this. Yeah. I wasn't expecting Miguel to be okay with everything that he saw. Like, as soon as Dexter started using terminology, like, we have to take down the kill room in front of Miguel, and Miguel was totally fine with it. I was, like, <laughs> jaw dropped. Like, he said the word kill room, and Miguel isn't freaking out. Yeah. And then when they set up the room with, like, all the plastic and stuff, I mean, the moment after that was we saw Miguel killing someone and being totally cool with it. But before that happens... I'm just like, why is Miguel not freaking out right now? Like, that yeah. room is covered with tarp. There's, like, a person yeah. wrapped up. I expected his character to, like, freak out and be, like, yeah. afraid of Dexter. And when that didn't happen, I was kind of, like, thrown off. Like, should I be not playing Minecraft on my phone right now and paying more attention to this? And then they kind of went a whole another direction in season five. And he had another... Don't tell me. Okay. Be vague. Uh, <laughs> Be never gentle. mind. I was going to touch on that, but never mind. You'll, you'll see. It doesn't recover. But yeah, I, yeah, they kind of like went too far. Or not really. I actually didn't mind season five, but. But going into the, see how I elongate my words? God, editing that in the podcast is so rough. <laughs> Halfway through season four, when you see Arthur Mitchell with his kids and his wife, what I thought immediately was, um, I guess I was kind of cool with whatever he did. Like when he was murdering those people, I was like, yeah, serial killer. Like, oh, is he sexy? Like, yeah. who is this Who's this murderer that's doing all these bad things? And then when I saw him hugging his wife and like being with his kids, everything I remembered him doing was like super gross. I was like, he was out doing that when he had a family and I was totally like sickened and it made him so much worse as a character. This is why I think we chose season four because like, you know the other people are psychopaths, but this guy is hiding it. So I think this is the supreme, if we're going to ask right now, like, is Arthur Mitchell sexy? It's like, Hell yeah, because he's doing very (laughs) subversive shit, and uh, the psychopath, who's our hero, wants to learn from him. Like, he sets this new standard for our hero. Plus, he's so unassuming, because we were talking about earlier how he dresses like the most normal grandpa, like, dude. He's an old man with, like, a baby's face, but he's, like, when he's killing people, he's, like, this huge, like, wall of a man, and it's someone who our main character like looks up to and just in his mind for a while Arthur Mitchell is like the person that he wants to be until he learns too much and then Arth- and then Dexter's like he's actually not as good as me so at first in the first half of the season Dexter is thinking this guy's got everything this is who I have to study him so I can be more like him mm-hmm. at his age and then on the flip side, the more he learns about him, he thinks he has so much more than Arthur ever will. He's the one that's better than Arthur. Also, Lori Bream from Silicon Valley was the woman he pushed off the ledge. What? Yeah. I still haven't started watching that show. Oh, so good. <laughs> that show's good as hell. They also, in season one, Dexter kills Lieutenant Yar from Star Trek The Next Generation. And <laughs> yep. And the... Oh, he's not a wolf. He's like a dog anamorph from True Blood. I haven't watched he, enough of that show. He kills, no, he kills the guy that owns the bar in True Blood. <laughs> So what do you guys think? Yeah. Arthur Mitchell. Trinity murder. 
vacation murderer guy, bathtub. Well, vacation bathtub. murderer is a different murderer, it yeah. turns out. Can he kill a deer? No. How do you guys feel about the deer scene? I mean, that's how I would act if I killed a deer. Freaking it out. shows you the difference between the type of psychopath that Dexter is versus Arthur, because Dexter starts off like a lot of documented psychopaths in the clinical field where they hurt animals first. Dexter does that in his past, but Arthur isn't as Arthur readily, is he's not readily available to kill animals. Arthur was different because he wasn't, like, Dexter was kind of born into it, or maybe he came into it a little bit earlier. Arthur got life, affected by but, uh, events, Arthur yeah. Arthur was shaped that way way later in life. I think I just realized something, actually. Arthur, when he's being, like, an innocent, confused, like, baby man, like, really sweet and stuff, is he like that when he is by something that's not threatening? Or when he's, like, alone? Or, like, with that deer, for instance? It's just not connected to his the juxta ritual. Well, the yeah. juxtaposition to me was the way he was acting when he was when he couldn't kill the deer versus when he was watching the football game with his son and he was just like, come here, buddy, give me your hand, and then he broke his son's finger. Is that because Arthur is in... I don't know, I guess... Okay, I guess where I was going, I just answered my own question. I'm going nowhere. I thought I had something, but I guess I still don't understand why he was treating his family like that. Is because is it because he was so used to them that he doesn't see them as people anymore, so he just sees them as the victims that he has? Well, they're like his cover, so he doesn't care about them really. He needs them. But why? He like, is abusive because he needs control, and then he needs them as a cover. Like, he needs someone to shield him so he looks normal. So Just he, like Dexter. But just he, like Dexter and Rita. Except Dexter isn't a dick to her in that way. I don't get it still. That's okay. I never will. I'll never understand. I don't really... I mean, other than the fact that he kind of talks about his dad being abusive, I don't really understand other than, like, him needing control over his family. Why he's so... Or, I mean, he does like things just so and kind of perfect. Dexter isn't like that. He doesn't care if his the kids make a mess. He, Dexter like, doesn't care about anything, it seems like. He doesn't care if someone's kind of a mess. Like, Rita's kind of a mess, and he's okay with it. And I feel like with John's character, he needs everybody to fit into this perfect box. And so when they start, like, slipping out of the box, he has to, like, throw his authoritative role. Yeah. I mean, he does all these things that are really just so his family can look perfect and he kind of like gets pissed about it later on like, i think it's the like christmas or thanksgiving episode where he's like everything kind of explodes like he does so much to make everything look perfect and everyone's failing him type of thing and yeah. he like flips out and i think that's kind of why he like that's the only emotion he really has is just like anger all I right. think this is why I feel that he's a very good, sexy character, is that he is this guy that you know, as far as if you've ever met just a good family man, and then underneath this good family man, as you get to see through season four, is this like very darkly uh, perverted and aggressive dude who, you know, he's been shaped by all these horrible circumstances and has never worked through it to the point that he just controls his family as a side effect yeah. of all he, those things. He exas exasperated it? Exacerbated? 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 Yeah, it's exacerbated as in like brought he, to Like, he blew a... it up. It's taken over literally yeah. his whole life. Yeah, yeah. 
Also, when he committed, when he was trying to commit suicide, if Dexter hadn't been there, he would have died. But then when they come back from the vacation, it seems like he got over his attempted suicide really pretty fast. I feel like that was That's kind of weird. That was a bit of a ruse, I thought, too. You don't think he was actually going to jump? No. Well, I think he's trying to figure out who Dexter is. And Dexter Dexter? is under a pseudonym because Dexter is pretending to be Kyle. And uh, it's... I feel like he kind of knew about Dexter for a while. A lot longer than he, like, let on. Is that why Dexter isn't annoying him because Dexter if these were just two dudes if this was a dude trying to hang out with the guy he met at church the church deacon Kyle would have been so fucking annoying and like why would someone like Arthur just have this guy like show up at his door invite himself to your own shit like if I was Arthur I would have smacked him he kind of was and then there's a point in the season where he like he stops getting super annoyed yeah. By it. Like and you're saying that that's because he was kind of onto Dexter. I at feel that like point? he kind of got onto I only say that just because like when Dexter found his wife in the tub mm-hmm. and she had died that same way, like obviously and then it was all after Dexter had already killed him. So like this guy had known about Dexter for a minute, like a little bit. And I think he figured out who Dexter was, like yeah. really was. Because he had lied about everything, and it's like, okay, obviously And there's a whole, like, uh, there's a whole scene where Arthur tricks Dexter into basically going to work. And when he he watches Dexter go to the police station, he's like, oh, that's not Kyle at all. It's like, ah, this guy's been trying to get me. But if he wanted to get me for murder, he could have already. So there's something else. Like, it's not that he's a law enforcement. Like, he's actually out for his, a different goal. And that makes him even more paranoid about the whole situation. When Arthur visited the station, and he was admiring the whole wall that they had built up of all of the trinity killers kills he was like admiring the wall and like regarding it and stuff i wonder i was wondering if he was impressed by the work that they had done and uncovering himself or if he was admiring like his own work more just like i forgot about that one that yeah. was a good one okay yeah interesting i think it was a mix i think so it was funny. a mix of the two where like he didn't understand that they had the resources to really get at him you know, also that Dexter was a part of that. He's like, oh shit, like, did he come in on this of his own volition or for this case? Because it seems like they sure, like, have my pattern figured out. Even he gets to admire the fact that they, at that point, they do not understand the boy abducted thing because that's not on the wall. No. That's interesting. You as a viewer don't understand that he gets to revel in that because you don't know until after that scene that that is a factor of his ritual. Um, Do you guys remember when we were talking about that gore sex art in the Hellraiser Mm -hmm. podcast we did? In season four of Dexter, some episode, they're actually reviewing a bunch of photography, basically the exact thing we were discussing. It's in an episode of Dexter where they have it up on the projection thing and all of the policemen, it was like totally like AD art in there later, but they're like, that is sick. It was like photography, but it was the same thing, like CGI photography. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Like, and then Dexter was explaining it and they're like, Because it was that, like, icky photographer. Yeah. But I just, I thought that was funny that, and then the the adult, like, policemen were like, that's gross. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's totally ADR'd. Um, Eric, you had mentioned earlier that John Lithgow had been in a lot of plays and stuff. So... 
Charles Spencer from telegraph.co.uk was describing John Lipgow's performance from Twelfth Night or What You Will. Mm Mm-hmm. And it actually applied to a lot of the roles he's done. But this guy says, in particular, there is the American actor John Lithgow, who turns out to be one of the greatest Marvolios I have ever seen. And mercifully, he's not playing the Puritan steward as a woman. With his stately bearing, great bald dome of a head, and prissily disapproving little mouth, he brilliantly captures the life-denying gravitas of the man. But there is also something exquisitely touching about the joy and gratitude when he is gulled into believing that he is loved by his mistress, and his little shiver of excitement at the thought of sharing the same bed as her is alone worth the price of admission. And I feel like he's like that in a lot of his roles. He describes him as having a prissily disapproving little mouth, and then people were trying to describe Arthur Mitchell like uh, some Dexter fans, and they called him a tight ass, and somebody said he had a sassy mouth. And I was like, why are people randomly using these, like, why are people using these words to describe John Lithgow? Yeah. (laughs) And I don't know the answer, but... He does have a very good, like, pursed lip persona, where he can just... Like he's, shrink that shit down. I feel like he he can do arrogance really well, but I feel like it's something more than that, and I can't put my finger on it's it. It's funny because he's but, only been in a... So John Lithgow has only been in one Arthur Miller play before, but it wasn't Death of a Salesman, which is odd to me because I think Arthur Mitchell is <laughs> kind of named after Arthur Miller and yeah. is a very Death of a Salesman character, like yeah. the family man with fucking issues and like who has to That's work through favorite. this shit. In high school. Really? Yeah. I did a monologue. <laughs> I should uh, I should go that's watch awesome. one again. I haven't seen any local plays lately. See, that's that's like a, a sort of a side thing that I thought was a nod. Like, I thought Arthur Mitchell was a nod to Arthur Miller's Death of a Salesman, like, believe this family man, and then check out this story that happens to him. I thought that was very much in line with Arthur Mitchell's character of, like, family man and then you start to see like how the foundation of his world is very shattered and then his second world his ritual killing world is pretty structured compared to his family life completely left out his like abandoned daughter oh yeah her i like kind of forgot about her until like just now that's the vacation killer (laughs) i hated her until i realized that she was his daughter and then i had this whole i mean i don't know if anybody else was supposed to feel like this but I actually lost my dad last summer, and I lost him in much the same way she loses her dad in this. It was kind of the other way around, but I think it's I think it's supposed to be really heartbreaking in the show when she is on the phone with him and she's saying, like, I love you so much, I'll literally do anything, I'm your daughter, like, I'm here for you, and he's like, I hate you, I never, you're not my daughter, I never want to see you again, or something like that. Yeah. And then she commits suicide. That was, like, really profound to me, and I was sitting there like, but I hate that girl. Yeah. <laughs> like, she's such a icky bitch. <laughs> yeah. I, like, hated her throughout the entire season. Yeah. Until you realize, like, holy shit, that's your dad? Yeah, and then and I was, then, like, like, devastated, because the yeah. whole not having your parent accept you thing is so sad, and, and then she dies, 
And then I think when he finds out, it does affect him. But, like, because he's, like, in the middle of a conversation, I think, doesn't Dexter tell him? Mm-hmm. I think he says something like, eh, she's, she was weak or something like that. And I feel like he was able at that moment because he was in shock. I think he was able to say that just to get Dexter to, like, talk about something else. But I think he was, like, really, <laughs> really upset by that. So I think that she... He might not care about the family that he had, but I think he did care about her. Well, yeah, she was the only other person that knew who he was. She just, she couldn't put it together until, like, much later, which is why she shot Lundy. He had a daughter. It's fine. (laughs) I mean, as far as the overarching season four goes, she's a red herring because you're supposed to be like, oh, vacation, well, Vacation Killer and Trinity Killer are linked, but it's not the same person. And so it's, as far as the thriller mystery goes, she's this thing that you're supposed to kind of, you already know that Arthur Mitchell's the bad guy, but the cops have to hit this barrier, like, well, she's dead, but this is still going on. Like, oh, it's not the same killer. Yeah. Then she gets real. What was her name? Something something. Yeah. Yeah. Something underwear something, tan skin. Toothbrush. Yeah. <laughs> Tan toothbrush underwear girl. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mitchell. Last name Mitchell. Last Tan Mitchell. toothbrush underwear girl Mitchell. Mitchell. It's a beautiful name. Mm. It's wow. <laughs> Rolls off the tongue. Yeah. Um, as far as Arthur Mitchell, like, fan stuff that I came across... There's, like, a gif of him dancing in front of his car, which, I mean, I, I laughed at that scene, too. It's, like, a goofy, fun, like, part of his personality that you don't ever really see again. And then there's, like, some sort of, like, a bathtub song. I was under the impression that John Lipkow sings it, but I it didn't sound like his voice to me, but somebody overlaid, apparently, his bathtub song that's, like, a kid song over the bathtub scene at the beginning of the season. Um, oh, doesn't he sing something? I don't know. I mean, I... Story about his mom or... I don't know. I think he has children's books. I'm not... I don't, I don't know. But uh, there is Arthur Mitchell toys. There's some really beautiful Arthur Mitchell art that's just, like, kind of, like, realistic depictions of um, of his character. And... Oh, that's it. That's it. People just have a lot of respect for his character and the actor who plays him. They regard him as the best Dexter villain and... Oh, yeah. Oh, he changed the show forever. It was never the same. Yeah. That's where I stopped watching because it was just super, super well done as far as, like, Dexter is following this guy to right his wrongs, but also to learn from him. It provides this, like, beautiful black comedy of errors where you're like... I'm going to keep letting this guy go. And then he kills your wife because you were you didn't act fast enough, even though you had the facts. Like, it's one of those great, you know, comedy, tragedy, like, you're kind of rooting for Dexter and you're enjoying what's happening. And then you don't realize it's going to completely destroy Dexter's world, too. Oh, yeah. I, was, I think I was just as shocked by the end of season four as I would have been if I had seen the entire series up until that point. Mm-hmm. But I did have a very different picture of who Rita was. And the first three seasons actually let me down in the way of, I thought that him and Rita getting together was a lot more epic for some reason. Rita in season four, I think they sleep together twice, maybe once was like in the one of the first episodes of the season. I didn't even remember that though. So to me, they had no sex life. I felt like they didn't really love each other. She was super she had bossy. More of a sex life in the third season. Yeah, yeah yes, they did. That's when they kind of and the first season too, and the second season. But anyway, in the fourth season, not so much. All I saw was her mistreating him. Like she was just yelling at him the whole time, and he was kind of like bumbling, like yes 
dear. Sorry, dear. Thank you, dear. You're right, dear. Like that. And so to me, their relationship was terrible. And on top of everything, she has this, when she wasn't yelling at him, she has this, she she whispers and she's just like texting can you get me some flowers? And I hated it so much. I was not the biggest Rita fan either. Me neither. I was like, she's not catching on to this at all. No. I, I actually... <laughs> Four seasons in and she's like, oh man. I liked yeah. her the most in the in season one because that's when she really liked Dexter. So therefore I liked her more because she liked him more genuinely. Yeah. To me, there was just no reason for her to stay in that relationship beyond season two that I was like, this is like... If someone did I that... Had to suspend my disbelief if someone for that did relationship to me what dexter did to her i would have never spoken to him again you can never see my kids again kids i'm sorry mr dexter's gone uh, yeah like and then she just they just didn't they just decide to get married right after they got back together yeah pretty much yeah uh, she got pregnant there's just so much groaning when yeah. it goes to their relationship that I was like, ah, thank you for taking that out of the picture. Yeah. Now I don't have to watch any more of this. She was yeah. a really great mom, but she had a lot of problems. I mean, like her character as a person, the person that she was had a lot of issues that she never got to fix because she was killed. And what I was trying to say was her death at the end of the show, at the end of the season, because to me, she was like a staple character, it seemed like. It was very shocking and actually, like, really sad to me. So, I got she it. She was there for a long time. There were yeah, other I, I, characters that I thought I they were going to kill first. I like, didn't want her to always be whispering everything. Even when she was upset, t- sometimes she'd be whispering. Anyway. She turned into, like, this mouse to, like, the annoying version of every... To, like, like a yelling mouse. Yeah, it was like... <laughs> Thanks for turning her into, like, this stereotype of a stay-at-home mom that's, like, literally always yelling at you to be... Like, when she called him to get the ear medicine when he had that wreck. She was was so bossy. What is keeping you from going to the store yourself? Wouldn't it just be faster? What is wrong with you? Well, and in the narrative... get it. In the narrative, both her and Aster's character completely switch after the dad comes back. Uh, Satan from Supernatural. Mark Pellegrino. That guy. Before him, Aster was a sweet little girl and Rita was a little mousy, like nice, loving girlfriend. After Mark Pellegrino goes to jail and dies, they're both so witchy. They're like witches. Astrid made sense to me. It was... But still, she changed when her mom did, and that was after the dad came back. Yeah. It was, like, the mom that was kind of, like, okay, you're getting really annoying now. Astrid, I totally got, because she was, like, becoming a teenager, and her dad died, and, like, she had mixed emotions. Like, I kind of thought why she was a douche, but... I understand why their characters changed. I'm just saying that's when both of their characters turned more negative, as opposed to when the series started. Yeah. But anyway, um, are we doing food now? It's always my favorite part. (laughs) (laughs) I've been trying to figure out what food he would be the whole time. You brought pie, and I was like, John Lithgow is like, uh... We we had some apple pie just now on podcast. I'm just trying to think about what kind of pie he is, because he is like American white as Wonder Bread with just like a hidden secret. So it's like... Can he be pie made with Wonder Bread? Oh, I don't know. Like, (laughs) 
But no one, no one's allowed to know it's Wonder Bread, or like no it's one like knows those, the secret ingredient. You know, it's like those fruit pies. You know, you you cut into them and you realize, oh my gosh, there's chocolate ganache. The top is just fruit, and then there's yogurt, and then there's like this chocolate layer underneath yeah. that you didn't realize was there, and you don't think it's gonna taste good, and it tastes amazing. That's John Lithgow for sure. So del- <laughs> like so delicious with this pretense of oh, it's just an American pie. Yeah, like, it's like no, it's, it's much this, more delicious than that. You think it's that BS, gross, just like grapes and it's just weird and you think it's gonna be horrible and then you eat it and you're like oh my gosh this chocolate is really good and like the crust isn't super soft it's like flaky and crunchy it's awesome and they always have it at like qfc or something it's like trail mix but you don't know there are m&ms there so you're like i'm not expecting anything and then you're like oh Oh it had m&ms the whole time yeah um i'm gonna go with Spatzel, I think it's pronounced, which is, um, it's like a German, it's basically, it's kind of like macaroni and cheese. Let me see what it's made out of. It says, Spatzel is a kind of soft egg noodle found in cuisine of southern Germany, Austria, Hungary, blah, blah, blah. Kind of looks like macaroni and cheese. You can, you can mix it with cheese, but the way you make it is the dough is like a really cream colored like goopy dough and it's really stringy and you just kind of ladle these goopy pieces into oh, isn't water that like to boil strudel? it. It's like strudel and you you can like John mix Lithgow it, is like strudel. But when you eat like a cheesy spatzel, it's like it's as if you boil the macaroni noodles to death, so it's like almost as soft as the cheese is. Mm-hmm. So when you eat it you're like, Oh, well, that's mushy. It's kinda like Arthur Mitchell. <laughs> Like, not quite a pie, but I'll be yeah. damned if pie didn't take a few cues yeah. from strudel. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably one of my favorite quotes. Can we do cue from Star Trek soon? <laughs> yes. Yes. We should do some Star Trek soon. Yeah, we will. Very good villains. Is Quark mm-hmm. a bad guy, or is he just annoying? Who? Quark. I can't remember. Q? Quark. He's a Ferengi. Oh, yeah. He, like, well, hits on women. The Ferengi are just, they're all based on trade. They're okay. all just Donald Trump, you know, like. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, um, so what did you say? Like, pie? Like a, like a. I don't know what chocolate? that pie is like called. Like a little. But it's, like, a fruit pie thing that's awesome. With some chocolate in Loaded it? with it's chocolate. Like a tart. It has, like, I don't know. Crouching tart, hidden chocolate. You think it's going to be super disappointing, and it ends up being amazing. I'll go with spatzel because you know it's going to be good, but when you put it in your mouth, it is a little bit limp and and watery. (laughs) I don't know. That's what I think of when I see his naked body. Because now now when we do podcasts, I do think about that question ahead of time, and I was like... I try not to because I really, I don't want to predetermine what I'm going to say. Arthur Mitchell is so perfect for this where it's like... It reminded me of um, apple pie, but when you put golden raisins into it and they inflate when you cook the pie. Yeah. So it's actually like very homey, but it's got this like decadence. But you nailed it, Natasha, with the pie that has chocolate in it because that's even more hidden decadence, like (laughs) even more deliciousness hidden in what you think is a pie. Yeah. The dark side of Arthur Mitchell could be described as decadent. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so decadent. It doesn't make sense. It's like, very indulgent. It, like, he has to kill four people per ritual. Four people! That's like, pretty decadent. Dexter kills one person per ritual. So for him to deal with a four person per ritual, like, it's very indulgent. And Arthur thought of a really easy way to get rid of the bodies because he didn't have to. He literally, even the guy yeah. he beat to death, he was just, they just, leave just look like... Fucking crazy hammer accident. Yeah, like, who knows? Well, is he hot? Duh. Yeah. Yeah. John Lithgow is just a delicious actor. Now, again, am I the only person, again, that actually finds him 
like visually attractive because i do i think he as a man he, he gives me a lot of hope like if i go bald i like when to, you're 60 he's look, playing a 60 year old half as good as john lithgow if i get male pattern baldness would be pretty great because like I he's just like... very like stunning complexion like just very like his composure and then his facade is just very he's uh, a wall str- of a man he's just got a strong yeah. presence you know yeah it's not so much the physical other than that he's tall but i like how extremely smart he is like i feel like i could listen to him speak for a very long time, and I find that part of him attractive. We're going to have to do a Jason Voorhees episode, because I'm so hung up on the fact that you describe Jason Voorhees as sexy. So is it because he's wearing a mask so you don't have to see what his face looks like? Because John, or Arthur Mitchell, John Mitchell, (laughs) uh, Arthur Mitchell, if he was wearing a mask, he could be a Jason Voorhees. Just cleaner. He could, (laughs) but the thing with John Lithgow, like, you know that he's just an intelligent person, so I find that attractive. So I feel like I don't necessarily have to find him physically attractive because I could listen to him speak I was thinking about that earlier because back in the day when he was younger, he was super hot. Mm-hmm. But I guess nowadays when I think of John Lithgow, I think of him as attractive, but I think I'm thinking more of his personality and how intelligent he is with the roles his, that he, he does. He has a distinctive voice too. Like I like his yeah. voice. Like it's deep and it's distinctive. And I feel like he would be the life of the party wherever he was at. He's really, I tried to watch a couple of interviews with him and he's really creepy in his interviews. Like, at least when he begins to speak, when he get, once he gets into a conversation, he's, like, kind of normal. But when he's sitting there in the beginning and he starts to talk and he's getting a lot of compliments, he acts in real life a lot how he plays his villains sometimes when they're being, like, smarmy and, like, kind of... I don't want to say he's arrogant. That's not the word I'm trying to use. But when he's kind of, like, accepting compliments and stuff, I'm like, ugh, John Lovegoes fucking creepy. Because I know how <laughs> tall he is, too. I think I would be scared to death of him if, if I ever saw him in real life. I think it is the tallness and the broad... It's yeah. the broad tallness. Yeah. 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 Cool. And that little part of every woman that thinks they can change him, like, maybe I can make him I know. a nice person. His... That doesn't kill teenagers in the woods. <sighs> he had a really nice time with his wife in the bathtub. That one episode. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we have a surprise. Uh, it's a Halloween surprise, actually. Eric, what's our Halloween surprise? That we're doing an extra podcast? We're doing a Halloween podcast. Yay! Woo! It's because we didn't realize that we were doing Arthur Mitchell of Dexter for the month of October. So this is our Halloween episode, but we also have a second Halloween episode. A really oh, yeah. Halloween episode. We'll have a guest and a, a very special subject matter which is should we even tell them should we even because i mean oh i guess it could be a secret yeah it should be a surprise yeah fuck you you wait till halloween (laughs) (laughs) special guest special subject on an all new hot bad pod who will it be or what will it be (sighs) how many of it will there be okay bye love you guys (laughs) 